This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom. Righteously American. Oh, yeah. Righteously American and live and direct to you. Right here on my own independently syndicated network. You know, I haven't actually thought a name of it. What what should I call the thing? Righteously American syndication? What should we call this new venture that we're embarking upon? Um, we are racing, racing towards our first metric. Well, our first metric was we wanted to have the same number of downloads per month that we had when we were on the old place. Remember the old place? And, you know, we love those people still, so we're not disparaging or anything, but the number of monthly downloads there was between 19 and 21,000 a month, and we have blown past that in our first month. We hit that metric a week and a half in, and then we increased the number of downloads in the second month uh, by almost that much. And so the second metric was we wanted to have 50,000 downloads, um, 50, 58,000, 60,000 and we've passed that number in total, but we want to have that amount per month. And that's what we're hoping for for this month. And so join with me in praying that the Lord would bless, uh, the, bring us the increase on the number of downloads that we get per month here on uh, our, our Righteously American Stacy on the Right Show. And you might be wondering, because we're sliding in here a little bit different time-wise. Well, that's because I was speaking today, had a speaking engagement, and I want to share a little bit with you today on the program. We're going to have a ton of different content-wise things. We're going to we're going to get to the news, but right now I want to give you this fall 2019 campaign 2020 look ahead, which is a document that is created by Melman, Castagnetti, Rosen, and Thomas. They're a consultancy firm. And this is fantastic. Um, I, this is one of the best ones of these I've ever seen. And normally I don't get them electronically, but this one is so good. So I'm going to start off with President Trump. And so this look ahead talks about the key players and their objectives. And the key players in the fall of 2019 are President Trump, Speaker Pelosi, Leader McConnell, Joe Biden, and Harris, Sanders, and Warren, who are clumped together on their own because they are literally the three of them running neck and neck to try to beat the presumed nominee, which is Joe Biden. So President Trump, his top legislative priorities, according to these consultants, is it's pretty easy, pretty easy to guess. Um, maintaining a strong economy, rallying the GOP base for 2020 and drawing contrast with Democrats while finding necessary compromises. Speaker Pelosi will be attempting to protect the House majority, manage caucus divisions and highlight President Trump's failings while finding necessary compromises. Now, what's so funny about that is, you know, the squad's not going to permit her to find any compromises. They're not here for compromise. They're here to make everyone else bow down to them. Hmm? Hmm? Yeah. So they're not going to let her do that, but she's going to try. And then Leader McConnell has three priorities as well. Winning his own reelection in Kentucky, confirming judges and nominees, and protecting the Senate majority by enabling necessary compromises. And then, of course, very interesting um, is this thing here. This is pretty interesting. Joe Biden, avoiding mistakes that undermine his most likely to win case, appealing to liberals without turning off moderates. And then Harris, Sanders, and Warren undermine the only Biden thesis. And they also want to demonstrate greater vision, electability, and alignment with the party's zeitgeist, which currently surrounds younger voters telling everybody else what to do, even though they don't know anything. Now, legislatively speaking, a lot of holidays are incoming. In September, the members will only be in session for, uh, well, 13 days. Um, they'll be Senate only in session. There's a number of days where the Senate is only in session um, and Congress is just off. They're just, they're just off. Now, fiscal year 2020 begins October 1st. And then the 8th, Yom Kippur begins. And then it's pretty much four days on, off the weekend. Four more days on, the Senate will be on for five days off the weekend, and then four more days with the Senate only on on that Friday, November the 1st. So they have a number of days in which they can get together and actually do something. Suffice it to say, I'm not sure if I want them to do anything. 
Um, looking ahead to the congressional must-dos, there are a, some, a considerable number of really important pieces of legislation that are due to expire on September 30th of 2019. Fund fiscal year 20. It's an appropriations and continuing resolution. That has to be done before September 30th or the government will shut down. Also, the National Flood Insurance Program, Welfare Program Funding, XIM Bank Reauthorizations, EB-5 Work Visas, and Secure Rural Schools Act, Health Extenders, Medicaid, Community Health Centers, other public programs, all of those things expire on September 20th, or 30th, September 30th of 2019, so at the end of the fiscal year. So expiring on December 31st of 2019 are the National Defense Authorization Act, the uh, further Medicare extenders, uh, Stellar, which is a TV retransmission rights act, Intelligence Act reauthorization, and the FISA 215 reauthorization, which permits NSA surveillance. That's up for reauthorization. Expect some really fantastic speeches on the floor of the House from, uh, probably Rand Paul. He's probably going to come out and he's going to, he's going to give it another, another go. And then looking ahead for congressional action, there's a significant chance that Congress will actually do something about the Ebola Eradication Act. They may pass that. The ACA tax implementation delays for hit medical device and Cadillac tax, they'll push those off again. Instead of repealing them or getting rid of them, they'll just push it off. And then prescription drug pricing and affordability, surprise medical billing, higher education reauthorizations, robocall prevention legislation, tax extenders uh, on WOTC and EVs, and then pipeline safety reauthorization and Russia sanctions, including additional sanctions, all of those things will probably be reauthorized. Now, what's interesting about those is those are in the significant chance green box. So definitely thinking those are going to be a go. A potential for movement, background checks for all gun buyers. Come on. You want to see Republicans turn out? Democrats pass some garbage like that. See, don't we turn out to get ready some, some more y'all from office. Infrastructure bills, the USMCA, trade deal that has yet to be ratified by Congress, Violence Against Women Act reauthorization, privacy legislation, SAFE Act, which has to do with election integrity, um, aircraft certification safety bill, anti-money laundering bill, cannabis banking bill, Small Business Act reauthorization, and SECURE Act, which has to do with retirement savings. All those things have a potential for movement, but are less clear as to whether or not they'll happen. Guaranteed, the Senate is going to continue to confirm President Trump's judges and nominees, and the House is going to continue their oversight activities and their ridiculous dollar, millions of dollar wasting uh, investigations. They'll keep that up. I mean, who's going to stop them, right? So if we look ahead to what the administration is going to be up and up to, they have these major trade policy issues with China. Um, so with China, the president and his administration are looking at additional tariffs, retaliation, um, and these dates that are so far on the calendar have to do with October the 1st and December 15th. They're also going to be continuing to restrict Huawei, investment and export restrictions, and maybe even a ceasefire deal. And, and all of this is, to me, it's kind of the fascinating parts of politics that I wish CNN and the other big networks would pay more attention to these things because they're important too. And I don't just mean lip service. I mean, explain to Americans why Huawei is a problem. Explain to them why it should be a bipartisan issue for both parties to support restricting Huawei and, and looking after their activities. Um, and and imp- investment export restrictions, well, what does that look like? Um, why would we want to do it? If we did it, what would happen? Like, in other words, some real news. Um, so then other major trade policy issues have to do with the European Union, the auto tariffs, the digital tax deal at OECD, um, Japan, we need a U.S.-Japan trade deal. UK, looking at a post-Brexit U.S.-UK trade deal. There's already talk about that. The president seems pretty excited to put it together. What will that be? The USMCA, of course, side deals on biologics, other unilateral NAFTA withdrawal to force the vote. Will the, will the president do that? Remains to be seen. He's a wild cowboy. I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't say he won't do it. 
and then Export-Import Controls, the new Department of Commerce guidelines, and Saudi weapons sales, and sanctions versus Turkey. These are all really like meaty, bedrock, kitchen table issues that we're not hearing about in the news unless we're going to websites that are specifically dedicated to this kind of content. Remember when CNN used to cover breaking news from around the world? Weren't those the good old days? All right, so big geopolitical events. Obviously, these things are going to happen. They're outside of our our like control, but they're still, they play a huge role in what we'll be doing in response. So first off, Brexit. They're going to have a revote on that. More delays, new terms, out 1031. What's, what's going to happen? Hong Kong, protests and the Chinese response. October 1st is the 70th anniversary of Hong Kong being ruled by the communists. That's something. Iran, nuclear deal, Gulf oil attacks. What are we doing with those guys? They're kind of riding dirty and, and uncontrolled. We have, it seems like nobody's over there telling them, slow your roll, calm it down. Who's, who's in charge of that? And then flashpoints appear to be Japan, South Korea, India, Kashmir, Iran, and again, North Korean missiles. He's going to shoot some off. We know he is. What, how are we going to deal with it? What's our plan? And then of course, There are a number of global recessions in progress. German economy, their economy shrank in the second quarter. And the Chinese are currently weathering the slowest economic growth they've had in 27 years. And then, of course, there's the negative interest rates on $17 in sovereign debt and growing. And obviously, there are going to be fall elections in Canada, Argentina, and again, possibly the UK for the Brexit thing. And anybody who got ousted because they wouldn't toe the line with Boris Johnson. He's, he's turning out to be interesting, too. So turning to the top political narratives, the economy, the narrative is, is currently being cemented right now as we speak. Are we headed into a recession? Well, Democrats want to head into a recession because in their minds, it's the only way they can defeat Donald Trump. So internalize that. People who want to win political elections and power over you feel that the best way for them to do that is to make sure that you're hurting financially and to damage your economic prospects. I'm not making that up. That's what they're saying. Bill Maher is their poster guy and the Democrats are actually listening to him and going, he's right. We need a recession. It's like saying I need a cold or I need the flu or, you know, I need some... You don't say you need bad things to happen. Like, what kind of nonsense is that? They're they're in straight up nincompoop land right now, and it's crazy to to even consider what they're doing. Now, recessions obviously ruin reelections. It's fair or unfair? Question: Is it fair to blame the Fed, the media, business leaders, trade uncertainty? I would say it is, but it's up to us. The economic outlook that we have as citizens is a driver of the economy. Not the only one, but it is a driver. Second political narrative, China and trade. Will deglobalization slash a trade war accelerate or decelerate the war? Trade uncertainty is slowing investment and economic growth and reshaping global supply chains and markets. Now, as far as narratives go, this one works in the favor of President Trump Because every time a company that currently manufactures their goods or puts together part of their goods, whatever part they're doing in China, and they move that somewhere else, I don't care where else it is. It can still be in Asia. They just won't have it in China anymore. Every time a company makes that decision, it helps to fuel the contraction that's going on in the Chinese markets and in their specifically in their economy. What does that mean for them? that they have to hurry up and get their little panda butts to the table. And if they don't want to come to the table and actually have a conversation, then it looks like, you know, they're going to continue to contract and American companies are going to continue to respond to what is a brilliant move by President Trump, proving that we're not a, we're not a tariff country, we're not a tariff nation, and we're not always interested in doing tariffs. But if tariffs will get the job done on the short term, they are an effective tool and why not try them when everything else has failed? So I'll continue these political narratives and more. Uh, we're going to go to the break. And, and when we get back, I'll tell you about the remaining political narratives on their sheet here. Um, 
Congressional elections, Democratic nomination, Joe Biden, GOP nomination, Donald Trump, socialism, and the age of activism. Yeah. You guys thought I wasn't coming on today. (laughs) But I'm here. And I'll be back with you right after the break. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When floodwaters reach your door? When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood? Or an earthquake is destroying buildings? Or is the best time, perhaps, today? During a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance. Say hi, guys. When I adopted them, I discovered that they both have incredible personalities. Chance's sole purpose in life is to love and to be loved. Frankie is a little bit of a scoundrel and always entertaining. They're a little bit of a lot of things, but they're all pure love. Adopt pure love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund. This is how we do every day. We be grinding and make you want to come and text us. If you love them enough to turn off your music and pretend like their music is your music. Ah, this is Mommy's Jam. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Melissa from Michigan. I work an extra part-time job serving lunch at my child's school, but I still can't afford to put food on our table. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that our daughters have what they need to grow and learn. But that isn't the case for nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. that struggle with hunger. Childhood hunger is a heartbreaking reality that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and provides it to families and children in need. You can help kids in need in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Spacey on the Right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I have to say, I love the chat room over at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Smoke said, Stacy, we hung around. <laughs> and then um, Tracy said, yes, we did. We've been well trained. Okay, so you guys are so awesome. Bjorn, Cacti, Chow STL, and Smoke, Sting, and Tracy all in the chat room. Thank you so much for doing all the chat and like having that in- environment over there um, at Stacy on the Right. That is so cool. Thank you for doing that. And then I also want to say thanks to anyone and everyone. I've gotten a couple of nice PayPals and some um, support on on Patreon. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate you supporting the show. And um, definitely check out StaceyOnTheRight.com, which is where you can find not just the podcast, but um, other cool stuff. Someone actually commented that they wanted the YouTube video of me sneaking up on our firearms at here at our house. I snuck up on them and 
I was going to check and see if the firearms were actually running around doing things to people and they weren't. And so I did a YouTube video about it. So what I'm going to do is uh, find it and post it up at StacyOnTheRight.com. I could have sworn I had, I'd already done that, but I probably didn't. So I'll put it there. So if anyone wants to watch it, it's from, I don't know, a couple years ago. My hair is definitely shorter in the video. Um, and I'm, I sneak up on the firearms. They're all laying out. A few of them are laying out on a table. They get snuck up on because I want to see if they're out killing anybody and they're not. It's actually pretty cool. They're just behaving themselves, just laying there like inanimate objects are supposed to do. Um, so I said I would finish out the rest of this. Now, I don't think there's a website where you can get this. I think you have to subscribe to it. But the name of the consultants is Melman, Castagnetti, Rosen, and Thomas. Oh, actually, there is. Okay, I'll post it. I'll I'll copy and paste it. I have to find the email that I got this out of. Melman, Castagnetti, Rosen, and Thomas is one of the nation's most innovative governmental relations firms, offering strategic solutions to companies, trade organizations, trade associations, nonprofits, and entrepreneurs that help them succeed in Washington. So let's finish out the top political narratives. Um, so the fourth one, according to their analysis over at Melman, Castagnetti, Rosen, and Thomas, um, is about the congressional elections. Will the GOP retirements put the House out of reach and the Senate in play? Now, here's something I really don't understand. Why is it that Republicans can't wait? They can't even wait just another minute. They're like, oh, President Trump's being reelected. We're going to hang around. We're, 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 I'm sorry, we're not going to hang around. We're going to retire. What? So now's the best time to do it instead of doing it at the midterm when the Democrats are already there? I don't get it. So it is a narrative, though. It is a narrative that will have to be examined. Um, Democratic nomination, the narrative that they're saying is going to, we're going to see, will the party go with its liberal heart, Warren or Sanders, pragmatic head, Biden, or a true change agent, Harris or Mayor Pete? Debates in sep- on September 12th, October 15th, November and December may decide. And then number six, Joe Biden. Is his third time running for president the charm or will frequent gaffes and 44 years of previous public positions catch up to the 76-year-old front runner? Now, if you're watching the live stream, you see my eyes, my eyelids are lowered and my lips are pressed together. I can't even believe he's the one. I cannot believe it. I think he's kind of gift wrapped for President Trump because he doesn't seem like he can keep two thoughts running together. And I know how it is to be so tired you can barely think. I know. So it's not like I don't have any sympathy. All right. Seventh narrative, GOP nomination. Will any serious candidate challenge a sitting president with an 88% own party approval? And that's per Gallup in August. Will Team Trump rerun the 2016 campaign or train strategy? And I think he's already changed the strategy a little bit. But does it really matter? He's going to win. Okay. All right, number eight, Donald Trump. Will erratic behavior, such as his tweets from the G7, shake voters' confidence in the president's economic performance or cause them to seek a a less unpredictable alternative? No. Sorry, no. His tweets, if if you haven't accepted his tweets by now, it sounds like a you problem. The president is not going to lose voters over a few tweets from the G7. Socialism. Will progressive leaders play into GOP efforts to make 2020 a choice between socialism and capitalism? Will the squad or Senators Sanders and Warren prove effective foils for the president in 2020? Hmm. Well, the squad are not going to prove effective foils. Dropping the F-bomb is not the way to get people to vote for you. And then lastly, the last political narrative, according to this uh, this predictive uh, look ahead. Number 10, age of activism. Will woke workers, stakeholder activists, and social media mobs call CEOs to change how they engage in 2020 politics, embrace social justice issues, or run their companies? I don't have an answer to that, but as Christians, we know what we want to do is, what we want to do is we want to pray. We want to pray And beseech our Heavenly Father to give us justice and to have the rule of law prevail 
and to have an overall switch in the hearts of Americans towards repentance for those of us who are Christians or <laughs> um, if you're not a Christian, salvation. And I just giggled a little at that because sometimes when we talk about revival, it's almost like we're not sure what we're talking about. Like God is in the miracle business. He's in the business of changing hearts and minds in ways that get out the vote efforts can't do. Now it's true. We can be effective getting out the vote. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disparaging that. But what I am saying is God is able to do so much more above and beyond all that we dare ask or think according to the power that works within us. And so why don't we just trust him to do that? Why don't we not just trust, but expect? Why don't we boldly go to the throne room and say, you know, no, Heavenly Father, we don't want socialism. We know socialism is not biblical. The Bible not only says, if you don't work, you won't eat. That, that's just one of the things that the Bible says. The Bible also talks about um, how working makes you want to work more. Like I'm, I'm going to get something for you that a beautiful sister sent to me in my messages here on Facebook. And as I was reading it, I just got so excited. She actually reached out to me because we're about to start. We are about to start BSF. BSF is coming up. Yeah. So when it comes, we are going to be so, I'm telling you, all the BSF ladies across the country are just, you can, you're going to hear us all humming in our kitchens and doing whatever we do. So excited. Um, so, oh, it's, it's, uh, the, the person who sent it to me, Robin sent me this. She said she was reading Proverbs and a verse stuck out to her. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. And she says, this is why socialism doesn't work. A few verses down, it talks about how a laborer's appetite works for him. And isn't that something? Is it, have you ever been there where you're working on something? Um, you get a new job or you get whatever whatever it is you're working on and you you hit a stride at some point. It, it becomes less hard and it becomes more like, how can I be more efficient at this? How can I do this better? And that's when you really get some some wind at, you know, at your back and you begin to really, you're looking forward to working. You're looking forward to innovating and doing the best that you can. And this isn't just about creative pursuits. This is any work that you do where you're getting paid and you, you begin to think, oh, you know, if I keep going this way, I might be able to improve this or improve that. And that's when, you know, that's when your boss starts noticing you when you're improving how things get done. Um, so it's it's amazing that even when you look at the Bible and you're not necessarily saying, let me search the Bible online for the word socialism. You're saying, let me look at what God's word says about what happens when I work or when I don't work. Well, he says none of our work is wasted. He says, um, test him and see if he won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that's too great for you to be able to withstand if you tithe, if you give them the first 10% of what you make. I mean, come on, work with me here. We're talking about God's word being alive and active and being able to inform us about every decision. And so we not only should be excited about that, but we should be excited about accessing the throne room and saying, God, we don't want socialism. We want to have a free and clear election that is executed well. We don't want voter fraud and we don't want tampered results. And we want the will of the people to prevail. And we want the people to be a righteous people. We want to see you moving and working and interceding in our lives, you know, changing us, transforming us, changing our trajectory. Only God can do that for us as a nation. So I, I want to encourage you to pray and to vote. And I know one thing that, that happens a lot is we'll, um, we'll end up, you know, trying to tell people something. We'll end up trying to say something. And what, and, and then, you know, someone with Trump derangement syndrome will come in and mess it up. I was actually having, um, a fantastic day yesterday. And then I let the enemy creep in. And then I was gathered together with some friends and we were talking about something. And I'm not usually a cursor, but I said a curse word and I felt terrible about it. 
And then later that night, I was thinking about it and thinking, just feeling really condemned about it. And then I went to Bible study this morning and the analogy that was used in the study that we're doing, which by the way, it is so good. It's called freedom in Christ. Um, was that we, once, once we give our lives to Christ, we are actually adopted in and the Bible calls us a royal priesthood. And so what happens is now you're a child of the King. How many songs have we heard where they're child of the King, you know, that whole thing. And so we're, we're loving that reality. So when we make a mistake and we send, you know, you say a curse word, you lose your temper, whatever. It doesn't change your status. It doesn't change the fact that you're a child of the king. It just means you made a mistake. So you ask for forgiveness and you move on because it doesn't change who you are. That is something that is so important for us to know as Christians. And we don't know it. We need to know it, but we don't know it. So the best thing for us to do is to start really focusing on, meditating on, and being as clear as we can with ourselves who we belong to and what that standing given to us by Jesus Christ's work on the cross, what that standing means to us on a, on a daily basis. You make a mistake, you know, you, you like me, you're, you know, get to get worked up about something and that's not okay, but it's also not the end of the world and it doesn't change who I am in Christ. It doesn't change my standing. It just means I need to repent and turn away from that and, and don't go back there. So, you know, I, I thought that was pretty interesting in, in light of what happened. And then I, I also feel like, so I'm going to just go ahead and say it, y'all. Um, people are going to people. People are going to people, which is my way of saying that people will disappoint you. They'll let you down. They're, they, they'll drop the ball, whatever. And when I'm saying that, I'm not saying it like I'm a victim of that. I'm saying it because it happens to the best of us, that we're the one who's doing the disappointing. And it also happens to us that we are the one who is disappointed. And it just, it, it's like sometimes the disappointment will stop you in your tracks and because you think, well, this person, you had to kind of put them on a pedestal or set them aside and said, they can't make this mistake. And when they do, you're, you're disappointed, you're hurt, you're angry, you're whatever the emotion is that's rushing over you. But we have to remember that all of us have the inclination and tendency and the ability to disappoint other people. And we have to put it in perspective and try not to let it get into a place where that hurt turns into bitterness, resentment, and then unforgiveness, which is where we can't have our sins forgiven by our Heavenly Father because we aren't forgiving those who've sinned against us. And that's regardless of whether or not they've asked for forgiveness. I know that's hard to swallow, but it's the truth. So... Um, I thought I would share that because sometimes when I have something going on, you know, it's one of those things where you've had it happen to you, right? You're rejoicing and you're kicking up your heels and you just know you've had a great day. And then you come crashing and burning to the ground and you're in a heap and you're like, what happened to me? Well, you know, that happens to us. And then we have to get back up and keep it moving. You keep it moving. So we want to be Christ-like, but we also want to remember that we are flesh and bone and we're going to make mistakes and God is able. All we have to do is ask for forgiveness and move on. And that's it. Because his, who we are in Christ doesn't change based on our sin or our circumstances. We are still his. We still belong to him. So I hope that, I, I sincerely hope that encourages someone um, if you find yourself in a similar situation. I just can't get over. So I got to say, you know, I... Oh, and someone said, okay, Robin said she hears a very faint echo. I know. I thought I heard that too. So that means I'm not crazy if you hear it too. I will ask the engineer extraordinaire, Noah, um, about that. If we can kind of troubleshoot it maybe. Um, but I want to say it's so, it's so encouraging to see people over on this, the same kind of chat fun that people used to have on the YouTube side. Are they now having it over at the Stacy on the right show side? And that is so fun. Um, Oh, and I want to say, I'm encouraged, I want to encourage Tracy. Um, he said he was very difficult time getting through his Bible reading this morning. Isn't that something? I think that's some kind of an attack when you're, you, you get your, um, what you do is you get your, you get up in the morning and you're like, okay, I'm ready to do my devotions. And you get your Bible out. You want to, you know, do your reading or whatever it is that you have planned. And then you start reading and it's almost like your eyeballs won't go over the words. Like there's like, you know, how wheels won't go over a rocky road or something. 
and you try and you try and you think, wow, that's when we're under attack because the enemy doesn't want us to get what God has for us in the word that day. So you know what? Enough of him. We're going to still do what we need to do because we know who we are in Christ. All right. I think we're coming back for one more segment, right? We're a little off on the time, but we're still doing a whole show. So stay right there. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. First, I hold my hands out like they're on a steering wheel. Then I look over my shoulder. One. Okay, cool guy. Two. Three times. Next. Oh, I put it in reverse. Meep, meep, meep. Then I take it up and down. Up, up, and down. And that, kiddos, is called the forklift. Dance like a dad. It's a great way to make a moment with your kids. Now that's dancing. Sure beats flossing. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Hi, everyone. Al Roker here. As a guy with his own catchphrase, I appreciate that after 75 years, Smokey's only said, Only you can prevent wildfires. But I'm filling in because there's a lot more to report. Like when it's dry or windy. Be careful burning yard waste, because wildfires can even start in your neck of the woods. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Hey, everybody. Rachel Ray here. Nothing brings a bigger smile to my face than cooking up a big meal for the whole family and lots of friends. But there's not enough room at my table for the 17 million kids in our country who struggle with hunger. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks collect surplus food to give hope to hungry kids. But they can't do it without your help. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Woo! Let's get crazy! In movies, when someone at a party jumps into a pool fully dressed, everyone cheers them on and jumps in too. Just so you know, in real life parties, nobody jumps in after you. You just look stupid. Come on, jump in. Come on. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Spacey on the Right. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Don't forget, patreon.com slash Stacey on the right and paypal.me slash Stacey on the right. And also, you can find me on the social media channels. I do post there and uh, I'm so grateful for you visiting and connecting with me on all these different locations. I know it's a lot. Um, I want to tell you guys a story. And I have, so first of all, I feel a little, I feel, so I'm grateful, but I'm also a little on the guilty side because I did actually, I knew I was going to be super busy today. So I prepared some show content for you today, political content. But then this presentation that I gave today um, on the political outlook, I loved it so much that I thought I'm going to do it on the show today because I want you to have it too, because it's interesting information and I'm going to post the links as well. Um, so, then, of course, last segment, we did talk about, you know, just basically Christian worldview, um, which is important. And I think sometimes we discount that. We have so much time to talk about politics, and we will. In fact, tomorrow, Dr. Walter E. Williams will be on the program, and he is 
always fantastic. He is always top notch. And I just am so excited to get to speak to him. It's like, it's an unbelievable treat for me to get to ask him questions in his field of expertise, which is so broad and vast. I've just been like tweaking. Um, so I, I got to, I'm going to obviously firm my list up completely tonight before I talk to him tomorrow. But anyway, I want to tell you a story because I think it's important for us. Sometimes we get a little bit of perspective drift when we talk about politics and we went down that list of narratives from the squad to Joe Biden and his gaffes to, you know, President Trump and the economy and all of that. These are important things. So I'll never discount them. But I want to tell you a story that it surrounds it or hinges upon my husband and I and how we, we used to be Democrats. And I've made no secret of this. My husband and I used to be Democrats years ago. Um, especially when we were in our twenties and when he and I first met and then dated and got married, we were Democrats. And at the time we'd moved here to St. Louis, but not St. Louis. We were living on the Belleville, Illinois side because he and I, he was working on Scott Air Force Base as a contractor and I was temping because I just separated from the military. And that's also a funny story of how I ended up separating. But anyway, we're, we just stick to this one central portion. And the theme here, before I launch into the story fully, is that when people, if if God, if you feel like God has told you to do something, and then people start to mock you or say that's stupid or why are you doing that, and you decide to listen to people instead of listening to what God has to say, you might end up preventing something amazing from happening. And I'm I'm not being puffed up or anything like that. I'm just telling you from my perspective, Mister Bot, um, he's the head of Bot Radio network. He's the creator of it, the founder of it. And his radio show on Saturday mornings and the preaching and teaching that he had on the Monday through Friday programming was integral in me adopting a Christian worldview. Now, I'm not called Stacy on the right for nothing. I make no bones about it that I have researched both party platforms and found them to be severely not only different, but one of them is antithetical to holding a biblical worldview. And the other one at least permits you to do so, but still you have to work with the people who are being elected because Republicans can be just as, you know, graft filled and they're humans. They can, they can have any of the same failings as any other politician. So anyway, back to the story, me and my husband were Democrats and we'd moved here to the Belleville, Illinois area, just over the river from St. Louis. And he was working on scouter first base and he and I were Democrats. So I get pregnant. I stop temping and I'm staying home with the baby. Um, and she and I spent a lot of time, like basically she didn't have a babysitter until she was like nine months old. My husband and I, everywhere we went, she went with us. And so on the weekends, every Saturday, I would take a couple of hours and I would get her nursed and, and ready to go and leave her with my husband. And I'd get in the car and I'd go off. I'd drop off the dry cleaning, go to the grocery store if we needed anything, you know, and swing back home. And so the first radio station I discovered when I got here to this area was Bot Radio. And at the time, you know, being young and really seriously a baby Christian, I would listen to the preaching and teaching and think, wow, like these are some, like these guys are really, like this is theological, like PhD land on this thing. But I listened to it and I enjoyed it. And I would listen to it. First, only on the weekends, because that's when I would be in the car. M- most of the time, if me and Maya went out during the day when she was a baby, we would be walking. She'd be in the stroller. But it got to a place where I was even listening to the preaching and teaching during the week. So fast forward a little bit. I've been listening to it for a few months. And my husband and I used to watch Bill O'Reilly at night on Fox News, and we would yell at the television because, again, we were Democrats. <laughs> So we would yell at Bill O'Reilly. We'd agree with him sometimes, but we yell at him. So then, um, fast forward again, me and my husband are in the car and he turns the radio on and it's on bot radio. And he's like, what's this? I said, well, during the week it's preaching and teaching. And on the weekend, there's this man named Dick bot. And he talks about things like pro-life and my husband's like pro-life. I said, yeah, pro-life. Um, he has a weekend kind of commentary show and it's, it's kind of political sometimes. And my husband said, Oh, what kind of political, like Democrat, Republican? And I was like, well, you sound kind of conservative, like Republican to me. But anyway, so we're riding in the car. I'm looking out the window. 
not making eye contact. He's looking straight ahead. So he listens to the bot radio for a little bit. And then he says, you know, sometimes when I'm at work, um, cause he was working at a financial services company at that time. He said, oh, sometimes when I'm at work, the guys, they talk about, you know, economics, yada, 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 sometimes politics. I said, Oh, are they, what are they? These people? He said, well, some of them are clearly they're Republicans. I said, Oh, I'm still looking out the window. He's like, I said, how do you find their chats? Do you, what, what do you say? He said, Oh, I just mainly listen, but, uh, they definitely are Republicans. And sometimes I agree with them. I was like, still looking out the window thinking, what is he saying? Is he saying? So I was like, Oh, so you agree with him sometimes? He said, yeah, just like sometimes we laugh because we agree with Bill O'Reilly while we're yelling at the TV. I said, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So a few more minutes go by and I said, so I agree with the stuff that they say on this radio station as well. It lines up with what the Bible says. It's biblical. And my husband says, hmm, interesting. So I look over at him, you know, furtively glance over, then glance back out the window. And we're just still riding along in the car. And then I say, just ever so nonchalantly, so what does this mean? Uh, Politically, are we, what are we? And he goes, very decisively, I think this means we're independents. (laughs) And that was basically the moment we slammed the door on the Democrats. And so why was I furtively asking these questions in clip tones and, you know, not really bringing this up and afraid to discuss it? Well, he was a Democrat and so was I. And I felt like I was making not a a full blown shift, but I was definitely not feeling like the Democratic beliefs that I held during the week lined up with what God's word said and what we believed in church on Sundays. And I was afraid to have this confrontation with him because the worst marriages I knew at the time were couples that we knew that the husband was one political party and the wife was the other. And so they had so much else in common and they seemed to enjoy each other. But the minute you mentioned politics, they would erupt and, and go into these arguments. And I didn't want that kind of marriage. And so God saw fit to have us both making the political switch individually. But I credit much of what happened with me to Christian radio, specifically bot radio here in St. Louis, because that's where we lived. That's what I listened to. And it was the preaching and teaching. And then Mr. Bot on the weekend laying down the hammer on issues, but then laughing like he would be on the show laughing also. And I found him to be so refreshing and so pointed and so honest and truthful, yet biblical. And then during the week, again, I would, you know, I'd tune in and I'd hear, you name it, you name the preacher, I would have listened and gotten something from what they were preaching and teaching about. And so I say all of that to say that if Mr. Bot had at any point back when he was a younger man and he was purchasing radio stations and starting Bot Radio, the network, if when people told him that's not a good idea or you shouldn't have done that or what do you think you're doing? Like we don't need Christian preaching and teaching on the radio waves. If he'd said, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Then I guess God would have found another way for me to make my evolution to coming to the biblical worldview. But imagine the millions, multiple millions of people who whose lives wouldn't have been touched by what they've been able to do with their station. And so if there's anything we know we need to do, it's that we must, when God gives us something to do, we have to do it. We have to do it because we don't know how God is going to use our obedience to impact other people. We don't know how we're impacting other people. Yes, we know the ones who are in our lives that we can see, husbands, wives, kids, you know, uh, friends, relatives, et cetera, you know, coworkers, et cetera. We, We know that, but we don't know who else is watching and learning and changing, listening, being blessed, the seeds that are that are being sown. We do know that God's word does not return void. It always accomplishes what it is set out to do. And if there's anything that's encouraging about, because um, sometimes I'll, I'll get in the car and I'll be just driving along and I'll flip over and, you know, Bot Radio has this little jingle. Bot Radio Network. I'm not a singer. So um, I'll turn it on and I'll hear that. It just the kids even know it like everybody in our family knows it because if you live in St. Louis and your radio is tuned at all on AM um, and on FM, then you you know that jingle. But it's just amazing to me that that was the catalyst for me to make the change that I made. And if you told me back then, you'll be on the radio and you'll be talking to this many, you know, people and 
You'll be talking about not just politics, but you'll be talking about the word of God, things you learn in Bible study. You'll try to encourage people. I would have been like, have you lost your mind? I'm not a broadcaster. I'm, I, why would I do, why would I ever go on the radio at all to be interviewed, let alone to have a show of my own and to talk and do what I do? I never would have seen it. I never saw it coming. So we have to do what God gives us to do. And I think there's, there's such a place for it. I know that I've had, I've had pushback. I, I, we even did a show earlier this week. Um, is Christianity mainstream? Because I was so annoyed that someone thought that my work isn't mainstream because it happens to be Christian radio. And I just have to say, it doesn't matter if it's mainstream. God's word is mainstream. It's unconventional. It's hardcore. It's a soft, gentle place to land. It's everything. And so it matters not what other people say it is. What matters is that it goes out so that it can do what God wants done. And so we, we just, we're only going to get this audition space, our time here on this earth to do the things that God has ordained for us to do. And I hope if you have something that you've kind of been holding on with, I know I do. And you want to do it, but you're not sure how to get to go forward. Just put one foot in front of the other and ask God to bless it, but keep moving. Keep doing what you're supposed to do, whatever it is. Um, because if you think about it, you think about how many other people could be impacted by you being obedient. It's just an infinite ripple effect that you don't know the result of. You will never know the full result until we get on the other side to eternity. And so that makes it worth it. That makes it utterly and completely worth it to do it, whatever it is. Um, it's just, it's, it's a sweet memory for me. I really appreciate um, the fact that that is how it happened on my side and that God fixed it so that my husband was having the same kind of a transformation and we were able to, we, we still laugh about it sometimes. <laughs> we'll laugh about how, um, you know, we just came to it at the same time, but individually and separately and not together. We absolutely didn't know the other one. Each one didn't know the other one was having this journey. And then when we realized it, you know, my husband was like, well, I guess we're independents. And I was like, yep, guess we're independents. And then we just went on about our business and never really looked back. So yeah. All right. That is the show for today. If you're looking for the link, I'm going to post it on Facebook for this uh, report. Um, and I just first have to find it myself. That's why I don't post it now in the live stream. And thank you so much. If you're listening to the show and you met me today at the uh, Christian Business Leaders Luncheon, thank you. Thank you for coming to that. And thanks for being here. All right. God bless you. Have a fantastic night. Righteously American.